On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, we cover new search targeting options on Google Ads. We talked about sweet new GIFs that YouTube creators can monetize with. Jess revealed her absolute all-time favorite conspiracy theory. And Greg completely misinterpreted key elements of Stranger Things, but still earned a Bravo Kitty in our book. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Jess Budd. It is officially Marketing O'Clock here on July 19th, 2019. And remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. If you want to follow along with us, just check out our show notes. Head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, Jess, it is great to have you back here this week. Thank you. It's good I to be back. hope that the baby making class went well. Okay, yeah. Let's, can we just talk about that for a second? Because we need a formal correction. Okay, breaking news. On that. Breaking news. It wasn't a baby <laughs> making class. I know how to do that part. I've done it. I've made said baby. Okay. <laughs> so th- it, was, it was like a class on here's now what you do. It was like a birthing, like a childbirth class. Oh, the birth class. Yeah. Well, you're still making the baby for other human consumption. That is true, but the way that you phrased it last week, and I can't believe that Shep didn't call you out on this, is maybe she was trying to avoid the subject, but it just sounded like baby-making, like slang for other things that are not appropriate okay, well, you're for still making a baby for the world. Yeah, that's... You, it's here. You're, <laughs> you're going to make it be present for all of us to enjoy. And now I'm going to giggle the whole way through labor just thinking about that. <laughs> So, thanks. All right. What do we have first this week in the news, Jess? All right. First up, introducing new audiences for search. This is an announcement from Google this week. In-market audiences and detailed demographics are now available in search. Right now, you can do that in display. That was the way. Okay. Now it is search ads we're talking here. Correct. But yes, it is now possible in search. It is officially rolled out. I checked this morning. It is a thing, but it used to only be display. You're absolutely correct. Okay. So you can now take the power of what you had in display ads and bring it into search ads to target based off of some new properties. Exactly. So as a quick refresher on what these are, or for folks that don't know, in-market audiences let you target users that are actively considering buying certain products or services, a.k.a in the market for well, those. I see why they named it that. Right? It's aptly named. Clever. Our favorite thing around here is when things are named appropriately. And detailed gra- demographics, again, are what they sound like they are. It's segments of the population that share common traits. That's how Google describes it. So think things like college students, homeowners, you know, et cetera. Demographics. And we put a blog post up on Cypress North, I believe it was in June, cypressnorth.com, then breaks down all the detailed demographic targeting options authored by yours truly. Beautiful. Well, Greg, now that applies to search, which is really exciting for folks. And I don't know if I'm being a little dramatic, but this could be life-changing for some people, I think. Life-changing. Is that a demographic that you can target people that have had their lives changed recently? I believe it is. I don't know if it's a demographic or is it an in-market. You tell me you're the expert. You wrote the blog post. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't Life think it's possible. Events, yeah, oh, no. Okay. Um, fair enough. But if it was possible, we would all be in that category now because it is here. Again, you can target these folks in search. So it's a pretty, it's a nice feature because even though we can use keywords to really hone in on targeting with search and there, it's really high intent there, there's still some instances where the context can be lost, I think, with just keywords. So being able to refine who sees your ads based on what they're in the market for or certain demographics can help limit some of that irrelevant exposure, which is why I think this is life-changing because, again, there are still some search terms that even though you think you have your keywords honed in, you're probably still getting some relevant traffic. And this won't get rid of everything, but it certainly helps refine that quite a bit. Jess, how do you feel now that in the near term, you're going to be able to be targeted by detailed demographics as a parent of a zero to one-year-old? Oh. That's an option. That's actually really exciting. Right now, you can't be targeted though. Under the radar, right. they say. I'm, I'm not technically a parent yet. Apparently, it's gonna make that baby. Yeah, just well, I took a class on making the baby. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this just like anything. Obviously, don't just fire it up and walk away just because it sounds like a good idea. Remember that when you're applying audiences in your campaigns, you can 
add them as, you know, just observation versus just targeting if you want to see how these folks do before mm-hmm. you maybe restrict that a little bit further. But still something really good to test. I think folks should be folks should be thrilled about this. This is big news. I feel like it kind of flew under the radar, but it's big. Well, we, we brought it right out to the top there. <laughs> Number one. All right. And YouTube is giving birth to more <laughs> revenue opportunities to its creators. And there are really kind of three main new monetization options or capabilities that creators are going to have. The first one's kind of on the smaller side. Basically, you're going to be able to use more than just what they had currently as a merchant Teespring. So mm-hmm. instead of trying to sell merchandise on Teespring, there are going to be few other options. So CrowdMade, DFTBA, FanJoy, Represent, and Rooster Teeth. Rooster Teeth? Yes. That's a... Okay. You're going to be able to help monetize your channel using these other parties as well. So I, I just like that name. Before it was Teespring. But there are two new main ways that creators are going to make money. And Jess, I'll let you pick what, what to hear first. Super stickers or tiered channel membership? I mean, the second one seems more important and useful. Okay. <laughs> so so maybe you want we... the first one? No. Oh, okay. The well, second one. <laughs> okay. Well, the second one is more useful. And it basically, there are going to be new channel memberships. So right now, fans can pay a monthly fee of $4.99 to get specific badges and emojis, special perks for a channel. You can get exclusive live streams. Um, and there's going to be extra tiers that a creator can enable. So you're going to be able to have five different price points for channel memberships. And then the creators are going to have, be able to have your varying perks that they choose. Okay. That sounds... So, yes. Great. Like and then something. the other thing to note is that 30% of that revenue is taken by YouTube. 30%? 30, I believe it's 30, 30%. The last time I saw any tangible data on that, 30%. And I'll cite it on, on our show notes. So that's okay. the big thing. And then the other thing that's my favorite, <laughs> last week... Shep and I talked about stars that you could give Facebook oh, yeah. folks stars. I I just I was blown away by that. I called them star sense because yeah. they're worth a penny. But YouTube is launching super stickers for their creators. <laughs> I can't wait. What do you think a super sticker is, Jess? If I had to guess, and I did not read this, so I have no idea. I would say it's like a sticker, but it's actually it's like an animated sticker. That's the super part. And you can, if you're the creator, you create these stickers and then you sell them to your viewers. And I don't know what they would do with them because it's YouTube. Maybe they look at them. It's the best I got. The phone's ringing, Jess. It's <laughs> YouTube. They're offering you a job because that's exactly what they are. Shut up. That's what it is. That's so, terrible. That's so a bad idea. A channel, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a channel owner will soon be able to let fans purchase an animated super sticker that they post it during a live stream or a premiere video. What do you do with it, though? So here, this is the best part of the super stickers. Okay. What happens is you can say, I'm watching the premiere with a bunch of other folks, and I really want to stand out. I can pay $5, and I can get an animated GIF of a Bravo cat. A what? A cat that says Bravo. <laughs> and you're, you're, you've got the animated GIF, and you paid $5. And the creator makes, what, $4 out of that, and roughly, and then YouTube takes the rest. And you've got yourself a little status because you saw that you posted the Bravo cat, and then the creator makes, makes a couple of shekels as well. Where does that go, though? Into the, into the, the chat. And then after this is over, it just goes away. You just yeah, threw your $5 into the wind for a Bravo cat, which sounds adorable. Into the YouTube, but, but yes. Come on, I would rather purchase a star, I think, than that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that because then you can see all of a sudden there's like a, a, a starburst or something. Yeah, right? And at least, you know, the stars, it wasn't something that you got to keep. You knew that you were paying to give that away. But the sticker is like a momentary like, oh, I'm really cool. I have this sticker. And then it's, it's animated gone. though, Jess. I know. That's the super part. And that's yeah. adorable. <laughs> Bravo, cat. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's that's. Okay. And all this <laughs> news came out of VidCon. And my main takeaway is, personally, I would just like to see more options for adults. <laughs> you know, that was my takeaway. Fair enough. I think that the, the, I watch a lot of YouTube, and I'm never I, in my life, I'm going to die before I have the Bravo <laughs> Kitty super sticker. 
and <laughs> but I would support somebody. I know it, that there were ways that you can pay for videos. The model is fairly tough to navigate. It's it's tricky. I'm never going to be somebody that cares about the badges no. and the stars, but I would pay for really good content. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point. Hopefully, and make that easy. Yeah, that, that's my thing. Man. Okay. Right. So that's it. Well, Check it out if you want to see the full thing and see that Bravo Kitty in action. Is that a real know. name of a thing, or did you make that up? It's a cat saying Bravo, and it's an animated GIF. And you're just calling it hashtag Bravo Kitty. Hashtag Bravo Kitty. You should, if you like, if screen names were still a thing, that could be your screen name. Yeah, maybe I'll get a Hannah tattoo of that. And it just says Bravo Kitty. Yeah, hashtag Bravo Kitty. <laughs> I love it. Okay, moving on. If your eyes started bleeding this week, the next story may not be news to you, but the new Facebook ads manager interface is here. And I say bleeding eyes because the thing is like bright. It is bright white. If you remember the old interface, it was, you know, kind of gray and blue and it had like the rows were alternating colors. It wasn't the best thing functionality wise, but it was fairly okay on the eyes <laughs> in case you're not watching it on youtube my sclera is very white i'm not bleeding <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute in a minute but yeah it is like it's bright it's it just took over my face and i just was not happy with that but functionality wise i actually really like it if you check out the link in the show notes they go into all the details of the things that they uh, have updated with this new interface but we did talk about it a few months ago when facebook first said this was coming and the biggest thing for me is that easier navigation that they've enabled where it's kind of like nested you know there's your campaigns and then your ad groups and everything opens right there and it's not tabbed they lived up to that promise that's great i'm all in on that if you're not all in on that, you can still opt out and switch back to the old interface, but I wouldn't recommend it because, you know, adapt or die, change is coming. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's right? very progressive for you. Thank you. I'm trying really hard because you probably remember when the new Google Ads interface happened, I was like the last person in the world to adopt it. I didn't want I to. I felt bad. I like yeah. forced it. We're like, hey, every we're all going new. Yeah. And it was hard for me. So I just figured rip off the Band-Aid now and just deal with it. But it is still very bright. I don't know. Do you like it? This is my beef. I don't have blood dripping down my face because I don't have it. I, I don't understand why I you don't. don't. Have it. And furthermore, to add insult to injury, <laughs> I couldn't get it to load yesterday. I know I was interrupting you. I'm slacking you back and forth saying, oh, yeah, I can't right. get this to load. I can't get this to load. Yeah. I'm talking to Facebook help. They're like, oh, yeah, here's what you need to do. Just go open an incognito browser every time, and then you can use it that way. I'm like, okay, thank you. That's not useful. That's a perfect fix. <laughs> Just okay. <laughs> Great. All right. So, no, I don't have it. I'm jealous. I want it. Yeah. You can't make ads editor, or it's not even ads editor. I'm talking Google here. You can't make ads manager worse. So I would like to see the upgrade. Yeah, it is. It is a nice upgrade. And they did also say in this announcement, which hasn't rolled out yet, at least not for me, <laughs> maybe for you since you're not getting other things, but they said business manager itself is getting a new, a, a facelift, if you will, and it will soon be applied to all accounts. So keep an eye out for that. They do. That's you know a what they need? Too. They need little icons for the ads accounts themselves. They're all those just basic blue ones. Mm -hmm. Come on, give me some icons here. Yeah. Well, they have icons in the new interface. There's like a box and then I wouldn't know that, Jess. Boxes. Thanks for rubbing in. I know. Well, my eyes are bleeding. At least yours are still good. All right. <laughs> Maybe a dark option someday would be nice. Speaking of dark options, Twitter.com launches its big web redesign with simpler navigation and more features. Mm -hmm. One of the flagship items within Twitter's new web interface is the ability to have multiple iterations of viewing and one that you can choose is you can choose a dim view or even a very dark lights out view it's wild yes lights, lights out. out view is a little too dark for me to be honest with you i agree with you okay. and i'm normally all in on that i know i thought it was like oh this is so cool lights out yeah, yeah. no it's too Couldn't dark do it it's like stark black yes yeah additionally you can change the font size and you can choose a color but because the year is 2019 <laughs> You don't just choose colors within the new interface. You choose emojis. So you could pick a blue heart, a golden rod starfish. I believe that color is macaroni and cheese. Macaroni and cheese colored starfish. <laughs> you can choose a pink flower, a purple octopus, because that's the color of octopuses. Octopus eye, octopi. 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 Octopus a purple eye. octopi a orange fire, <laughs> or a green avocado. 
And so that's how you can now customize your Twitter. Also, things are very round. There's a lot of round edges on everything. I felt like it's a throwback to like, what was that, 27 or 2007. A lot Whoa. of rounded corners. That's way back, 20, 20, yeah. 27. We were trying that for a minute, right? Yeah, it's just 27 AD. Yeah. yeah. Or Whoa. BC, even way back. back. Way back. They had a lot of round edges then. Yes. <laughs> of course. But overall, it seems like it's a little more getting used to on it. It seems like there's less above the fold, mm. but it's fine. I'm just, mm. Again, I'm just going to adapt or die to your point. What do you think, Jess? Thanks. I like it. I'm all about the customization, but I did think that the choosing your own emoji was a little bit much, so I came up with a fun, it's not really a game, but you know how everyone's like, oh, you know, you're... I don't know, your next band name is like the street you grew up on and whatever, and you get a couple criteria. I like so. how you say everybody, and in reality, <laughs> you mean BuzzFeed. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, fair enough. But I have, I have my own little BuzzFeed quiz here for you, and it's your insult. So it's an insult, and it's made up of the color, but it's not the color, it's the emoji, and then the like theme that you chose. So mine, for example, is dim octopus. I'd be like, yo, you're a dim octopus. So okay. what's yours based on how you customized your Twitter? I mean, I'm, it would be a dim avocado, but I'll say you're the lights out avocado. <laughs> lights out avocado. I, yeah. No, thank goodness nobody's like default fire, right? Because those just yeah. <laughs> contradict each other. Yeah. I'm the default octopi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. That wasn't as fun as I thought it would be, I guess. YouTube might want me, but BuzzFeed doesn't. Absolutely not. And that brings us <laughs> to something a little more spicy. Ah. Our take of the week. Our take of the week is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. And this week's take comes from Will Reynolds by way of Greg Gifford at Greg Gifford on Twitter and at Will Reynolds with one L on Twitter as well. Will is from Sear and was talking at MozCon this past week. And I confirmed this. One thing I didn't know about MozCon is they now have a transcriber. Oh, that's nice. So he's up there talking, and somebody was transcribing. And he, I, I guess, apologized for all the curse words he said to the transcriber. Oh, because so they had funny. to type it out. I wonder if yes. when they typed it, they put the little asterisk oh, nope, instead of the vowels. it's fully typed. Really? Fully typed. Because I, I, I went back to confirm that this was said. Fair enough. Because they didn't want to put words in people in, into Mr. Reynolds' mouth. That was good of you. Yes. And so here's the take. And Jess, I see you have a smile on your face. Don't even think about no nope. don't even think about where you're there will say. be no words to transcribe so will said at mozcon google has built a 17.4 billion dollar business on questionable clicks don't say it got nothing i have no opinion i'm trying to even wipe it from my face for our youtube viewers all right that's the take of the week 17.4 billion dollar business on questionable clicks from Will Reynolds. Okay. And that brings us to this week's lightning round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts, paid and... Non-paid. I cover everything to do with advertising, a.k.a. paid, and Greg covers the organic or... Non-paid. And here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up, if you are a fan of this new stupid concept called Black Friday in July, we have a story for you. Hey, you know what I really miss? What? I miss TV commercials because I don't have TV commercials anymore. Ooh. And the one thing I always miss is Christmas in July. Yeah. That was such a novel concept. You're like, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm like halfway to the holiday season. Yeah. Because of Christmas in July. Yeah. So actually, to that point, Black Friday in July makes no sense. It should be Black Friday in June if Christmas is in July, right? Because Black Friday is always November. You just blew my brain. I just... <laughs> You're welcome, retail world. Reconfigure everything. And uh, yeah, so Facebook is following these trends. Not really, but they had an announcement and they called it Tis the Season to Start Planning the Holidays with Facebook. Hey, this is pretty stressful. You're dropping this (laughs) in the second week of July? Yeah. It's only four to five short months away, Greg. So it's a good good reminder. Yes, it is. I mean, it's always good to be prepared ahead of time. And that's just what they're trying to help you do here. They're not saying fire up your campaigns now. What they've done is they've created. Oh, wait, we don't fire them up today? I don't think we should. Okay. I mean, I, unless you're doing Christmas in July, which. <laughs> well, those campaigns. <laughs> Who knows? I watched those back in February. Yeah, right. New Year's Day. Yeah. You just get started on those. <laughs> so this is, we like things that are aptly named around here. Facebook's got a new tool called the Holiday Season Insights Tool. Wow. Can you guess what that does? 
No. Okay. Well, I'll let you know. It's a great resource for people that are looking for trends and insights from the past couple of years for um, informing their 2019 strategy. So I actually did know what it was. And I'm I took sure a peek. <laughs> and a lot of it seems like there's other outside data, of like other media outlets out there. For sure. The first thing I always do is I'm like, okay, grain of salt. I obviously you're going to try to get me to spend all my money on Facebook and not in newspapers. And there's probably a good point there, <laughs> but like, do I trust you fully? Yeah, that's fair. But I, I mean, I peeked at this too and I didn't go super in depth. Uh, for those of you that want to, it's a great interactive tool. You can click the link in the show notes and poke around, but they did, I mean, they're talking about, you know, people that are shopping exclusively on mobile, things like that. It's not just about trends on right. Facebook. So it is it is a good thing that they did there. They're just, you know, scaring everybody by telling us to think about this now. But you know what? Maybe it's sage advice. Maybe we should all think about it now, plan, implement later, but plan now. I'm okay with that. Now we're going to move on to someone who's not having a lovely Christmas in July, <laughs> and that's Viagogo, which is a Swiss ticket resale company. Google has suspended their ads globally for, quote, breach of its advertising policy. And they're also in trouble with the UK's Competition and Markets Authority for naughty practices like misleading availability about their tickets or not warning people that tickets don't guarantee entry. So these folks are in hot water anyway. But the point here is that Google has suspended them from showing any ads, again, globally on their network. And the lesson here for us is just to conduct legitimate business and follow ad practices. Yeah. And one thing of note, and you and I know this, we've got clients that are in the ticketing side of things. But one of the reasons in all likelihood that Google dumped this lump of coal into <laughs> Viagogo's <Nice>. stocking <laughs> is because Google takes ticketing really, really seriously. Mm -hmm. You have to put through now very specific forms you have to fill out in, in great detail. Yep. So they actually are looking out for their customers in this side of things. But it's another example of you don't have control of everything. If you're doing naughty things, you might not end up on that nice list. Amen, Santa. Uh, next up, Nielsen has a new service that's offering podcast audience insights for advertising. And this is from George Wynn over at Marketing Land. And basically, Nielsen polled 30,000 listeners, so admittedly not a huge sample size, but a good start across the U.S. on things like their listening behavior purchases and even like genre preferences, things like that in the podcast world. So it's great that this is kind of starting to happen because as advertisers... Being more informed on the audience that you're reaching is always a better thing. I think people have been a little bit hesitant thus far. Some people, not everybody, to advertise in the podcast space and on those platforms. So this is just, again, more information for us as marketers to do with what we will. The other thing I like in general about podcast advertising is many of the advertisers out there might be that affiliate side of things where... Mm -hmm you get to have certain codes. Everybody's got their own code that they're schlepping out there on Absolutely. their podcast. And so I feel like there is almost that proof of concept that is baked in, at least with podcasts, where whenever you get a rental car and you hear a terrestrial radio, there's not those, you know, mm -hmm. those codes that you have to input. So I do think that on as a whole, advertisers have been a little bit more cautious with that. For sure. So. Oh, it's great to see. Love more data rather than less. And finally, here in paid, Google just launched a game-changing visual shopping feature, and Yatpo is helping to enable the experience. Yatpo. I don't know why whenever I see Yatpo, I think of like a neti pot. Ooh, do you ever use a neti pot? Never. I love it. Really? I do. It seems like part of my brain might slip out. Yeah, you worry about that, but it doesn't I do. happen, I can assure you. It it doesn't I don't think it goes into your brain. It certainly goes up there in your nasal cavity. I don't even know why I think Yeti Pot. It just maybe because it's like Yeti pot? pot is in the word there and then there's a Y. <laughs> you, you know said you Yeti Pot. Yeti pot. Neti pot. Neti pot. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't <laughs> maybe know. Maybe that's why know. you think Yatpo. But I don't know. I thought it was just, it should be backwards. And so I was like, Optoy, but I don't think that's it either. Just It's Yatpo. just a hard word to look at, to be frank. And to say out loud. Yes. Yatpo. Agree. You have to over enunciate. But they're doing some cool things with Google and Google shopping ads. They are enabling advertisers to showcase user-generated photos that come in with reviews of their product alongside that review in their shopping ads. So, Greg, I'm just going to get a little bit girly here, which I almost never do, so just bear with me. Okay, me too. Okay. <laughs> so, I love the site Lulu's. Have you heard of it? Never. Of course. <laughs> and, and you probably shouldn't because, you know, it's, it's ladies' clothes. But th this is not a paid mention or endorsement either, by the way. But I love, love, love Lulu's. And it, their clothes are decently priced and their quality. Is it similar to Lululemon? I've heard of that. It is not similar okay. to... Well, 
in the name. <laughs> they both have Lulu in the name. All right. I yeah. know what you're talking about. They're, they're an outfitter. Love it, too. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, my, but the thing that I really like about it, all kidding aside, is that they actually have customer photos and reviews on their site. So you can see like a real person in the outfit and next to a product image and a model. It's nice because I'm short, right? So if I see a shorter person wearing a dress that I Are you short? I think so. I think you're pretty average. I'm pretty sure I had to stand on books to stand next to you when we filmed something once. I'm tall. I had to be like a Tom Cruise. I'm like 6'2". Are you sick? No. no, you're not. <laughs> in <laughs> anyway, my mind. In I mean, my mind. Yeah, no. You're, I mean, you're a lot taller than I am, so you would look different in the same dress. So it's nice to see a, a photo of a real person and not just a you know skinny, tall supermodel exactly. in the thing. So that's what I like, and that's what I like about Lulu's, and that's what I like about this feature coming into Google Shopping Ads, which is the real point. I just think it adds a layer of validity to this. So I... As a non-Lulu's fan and a non-Google Shopping fan, what thoughts do you have? To be honest, I mean, it could be Greggy Downer here again, where <laughs> it's, okay. it's that level of credibility that's, that's, that's almost the issue for me, where Yatpo, <laughs> maybe, maybe they should spell it like the boat. Yacht. Ooh, yeah, That'd for sure. Yatpo. Yatpo. But with Yatpo, they say that these user-generated photos that have been published through Yatpo will be automatically fed to Google. They'll be featured along customer reviews and the product details page, which users will be directed to once they click on the star ratings of a shopping ad. My issue with this entire thing is, first off, I'm not a hater. I'm with you. I love it. I love when you see a shirt and somebody gives you their size as well, even mm-hmm. from a non-UGC side of things. Yep. It's just the, the model is a six-two person like myself, a slender <laughs> build. I can relate to that that person. Yeah, it's useful info. Yes. But my issue is that these images are going to ads. These reviews are ads. Google Shopping is not an organic location. It is one of the only places where it is pay for placement. Mm -hmm. The only way to be in Google Shopping is to have an ad account running for this. So each one of these then images that we see from these consumers are technically part of that ad. Yes. And when you look at the images, it looks very, very organic. It is a woman sitting in tulips (laughs) wearing a dress and a review there. But you don't see anything about an ad with that. Is that what that little thing is in the top corner? It's not, is it? I, I think it's to to span like a spam or mm. inappropriate meter. I couldn't find a clear cut ad for these reviews, and to me that breaks FTC rules for user generated content and what they call native advertising. So the FTC has a blog post or an article. I don't. I don't think they blog the article. They don't. <laughs> no, the article. But they Do said they that vlog? one form of native advertising is content that bears a similarity to the news, feature articles, product reviews, mm. entertainment, and other material that surrounds it online. So to me, this would fall under that and should be clearly labeled as part of the Google Shopping ad. And it does not seem like that to me. Okay. And it seems unfair that you cannot have a product that's not driven by an ad. But you can have reviews. You can click on marketingclock.com, see all this. But again, the FTC is very forthright with what they say. And looking at that specific review from Yachtpo <laughs> and Google Ads does not seem to fulfill those parameters, at least if I was uh, Mr. FTC. Okay. So your issue is not that these exist, but the fact that they're not explicitly saying once you open that review that it is paid ad content. I have a deep underlying issue with, with I know shopping you do. ads I'm in just, general. I'm just trying so, to surface this particular But yes, that, that okay. is it. The, okay. the issue is that this is a cool ad option. For sure. It is not labeled like that. Okay. This is something that you can only get if you're an ad. Absolutely. You cannot get this on Google Shopping because you can't be on Google Shopping unless you're paying to be there. It is pay for placement. Which again, I don't think most people and really know. this isn't know. something I've ever spearheaded. The person that spearheaded this is Google's own Danny Sullivan was the leader in the charge of Google Shopping is the only remaining pay-for-placement, although there are some other options now. 
All right. So that's my only issue. That's no, and that's a that's a decent that's a good reason, good cause for concern, if you will. I feel like that's an important factor that I didn't even think about because I'm just like, oh, look at this dress, looks nice in tulips. But you're absolutely right; it's something that they should be aware of, and maybe I guess in the coming weeks we'll see if anything happens. And I've got a fix, free fix for Google out there. Oh, Google, are you listening? No. Don't have Google Shopping <laughs> be pay for placement. Have it be actual shopping listings of the internet. Ooh, shopping make, listings make, of hey, the internet. Make a Google for products. Great. Hmm, you've said I this don't before. Know why anybody hasn't done that yet. I, it's, it's probably insane. hard. It's probably a hard it's thing to do. Probably hard. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Everybody would want that. Yeah. And there's nothing. It's crazy. I mean, building Google was hard. That got done. We're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, then over to you, Greg. Okay. In our non paid side of things, where you're going to stick to the big G here, is Google cannot. Quit trying to make new social networks. I think. Coming from an article from Gizmodo. And Google has shut down many of the social platforms. Orkut, Google Buzz, Google Plus, Allo, Google Wave. <laughs> I think they're even shutting down Hangouts at some point here for the you know more conversational, non-business side of things. Mm. But they've got something new. Shoelace. What? Shoelace is all about keeping people in the loop. Get it? I get it, but could have thought of other looped objects. This is like tying them up. Tying them up, yeah. yeah. Bunny ears. Or loop, swoop, and pull. Yes. And a shoelace is a mobile app that helps connect people with shared interests through in-person activities. So this is an IRL digital social network. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. Listen up. It's great for <laughs> folks who have recently moved cities or are looking to meet others who live nearby. Aww. So... You can go to the link in our show notes and see Shoelace for your own. Um, you can The privacy policy is just Google's Terms of service just shoots over to Google. But I am looking for it. What do you think about sh- uh, Shoelace in general? I think it sounds like a dating app for not dating. It sounds like a dating app for clumsy people. <laughs> <laughs> like they tied the two shoes together yeah. and then they get up and trip. Might happen. You can connect with others that like to do that. In it person. does sound like an incognito dating app. Doesn't it kind of? We're like, that's sort of what Snapchat turned yeah, like, into. Oh, we First met on was, Shoelace. Yeah, Shoelace. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were really into bowling. Bowling. Oh, right. I think that was one of the person. examples. Okay. The others like cooking and all these things. Those are all nice activities. But you could just go bowling and meet people at the bowling alley. You don't have to pre-meet them on Shoelace. But that wouldn't be an IRL digital social network, Jess. I guess you're right. Okay. Well, personally... Myself, I'm looking forward to closing the loop on this when Google terminates yet another social app in, uh, say, a couple months here. Something that Google has done a good job not terminating is keeping search relevant and useful. And this comes from the one and only Danny Sullivan on the Google blog. They talk about a lot of changes that Google is making and has made and how they keep things relevant. The way, when I read this, I kind of looked at it and said, oh, this is something I bet they're just going to reference all the time. When people have questions, these Google reps are hounded on Twitter. Mm, it it seems like a very tough job. People yes. are like, well, why isn't this singer his avatar, the proper avatar? He's got a different haircut now. And they're like, well, <laughs> it's an algorithmic change, and he, we're pulling from this because it's the top. And so now this is just a good article I think we're going to see a lot of referencing to from some of the Google reps. Google talked about the fact that our search algorithms are complex math equations that rely on hundreds of variables. And last year alone, we made more than 3,200 changes to our search systems. So, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, you've had me at complex math equations. I trust you because I'm not doing that. Yes. Right? So, lots and lots of changes coming. And also on the horizon, a new change in the search engine results pages from Google. They're testing out a shareable search result. And this comes from Barry Schwartz over on Search Engine Land. Google has been spotted in the wild, showing a share button mm-hmm. on the search engine results. Jess, do you know what I didn't know that the world needed? Uh, shareable search snippets. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But according to some tests, we've got it. So look for that in a SERP near you. Can't wait. Additionally, on Y Combinator, keeping it Google here, there was an article about to break Google's monopoly on search, to make its index public. And there was a Googler 
a potential Googler. Mm. I'm going to put that an asterisk. Yes, yeah. potential Google. I'm going to put an asterisk on this entire section here because we don't know if this is actually Google or it was a random comment. Fair. But it seemed legit. But we don't know. Personally, I love a good conspiracy theory. Oh, heck yeah. Even so if... I'm yeah. gonna, we're going to put it in here with a huge caveat that all this is hearsay. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? I think the one about the Titanic sinking. That it went down? Did you, well, that it was the wrong boat. They were trying to sink a boat for insurance purposes, but they sunk the wrong boat. And if you count the portholes... It, like what that's how they knew it was a different boat or something. I don't know. It, folks oh. can look it up. Folks can bing it. But there is a conspiracy about the, the wrong boat sank and it was all intentional. That's I, my favorite because WTH. I've never heard that one. You should look it up. You like conspiracy. What's your favorite? My favorite. You you wouldn't think it's this. The flat earth theory. Oh, no. I wouldn't have that for you. I love that theory. You do? I've jumped out of a plane at, at 1,400 feet in the air. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And you can see the curvature of the earth. And I love the dedication that these people have where they're like, well, look, your shoes are, don't have curvature on the bottom. They're flat and you don't just roll around all day. I love the dedication these folks have. Well, maybe. I mean, obviously it's crazy, but. It is. But I you, love it. You're right. They're like really into it. I bet you they could meet each other on shoelace. Yeah. It, that's a great, a great use of shoelace. <laughs> I just love how dedicated. That's. I wish I was that dedicated about something. I think you are. You're that dedicated about the earth being round. Right? I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm just dedicated to facts. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's get to this. So, again, let's get to this. So somebody on YCombinator.com commented this. Ex-Google search engineer here. Having also done some projects since leaving that involves data mining publicly available web documents. So obviously we know asterisk. Mm. They're credible. <laughs> so... They said, the proposal won't do very much. Indexing is a relatively easy part of building a search engine. Common Crawl already indexes the top 3 billion plus pages in the web and makes it freely available on AWS, Amazon Web Services. And this is what made it into the news <laughs> part here, or the lightning round that's super slow this week. They said, the comments here that PageRank is Google's secret sauce also aren't really true. Google hasn't used PageRank since 2006. The ones about search and click-through data being important are closer, but I suspect if you made those public, you still wouldn't have an effective Google competitor. Wow. Hmm. So what's the secret sauce? Well, I think search and click-through data are something that people, again, if this is a factual thing, and this person might be somebody that's got <laughs> some rounded shoes, so don't believe them. <laughs> but again, I, I, it's... An interesting morsel that was put out there by a very questionable source. Yeah, food for thought, then. We'll take it as that. Food for thought. Another clip worth talking about is Live Cut from Twitter, which is a new way to create video clips. And Twitter's new media publishing tool is called Live Cut. It is replacing Snappy TV within their media studio. So for anybody using Snappy TV within Twitter's media studio you are going to have to say R.I.P. to Snappy TV <laughs> and long live live cut. Wow. That was some alliteration you did there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You All earned right. it. Surprisingly, we're going to keep it on Twitter, but by way of Instagram, or maybe vice versa. Who knows at this point? It's 90 degrees <laughs> in this so studio. It is so hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram announced on Twitter that they are running a test that hides the total number of likes and video views for people in the following countries, Australia, Brazil, Canada, Ireland, Italy, Japan, and New Zealand. So we talked about this coming. Mm -hmm. It is here now. And they say, we want your friends to focus on the photos and videos that you share, not on how many likes they get. You can still see your own likes by tapping on the list of people who've liked it, but your friends will not be able to see how many likes your post has received. I had a comment, Jess. What is your comment? I don't know if you looked at the show notes, the prep notes here. My comment is, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we, babies? I know. Like, that's what I care about is yeah. the number of likes that other folks have gotten. If you do care about it, though, then like, why can't people see it? It's already there. It's kind you of like one of those things where I guess everybody gets a trophy. 
Is yeah, but it? not everybody gets a trophy because my posts Nobody only get trophies. like three likes. I wouldn't call that a trophy, but mm-hmm. I don't care if people see that I'm not popular. No trophies then. <laughs> no trophies for That's anyone. That's what it means. Yeah, so, I don't know. And let's keep it Instagram here. There are changes to the account disable policy. Instagram currently has a policy or had a policy where they would disable accounts that have a certain percentage of violating content. They're going to keep that. But if those violations happen in a closer knit increment, they may also disable that. So, mm. A, just in general, don't be naughty. But if you're somebody that has to be naughty, try to space those knots out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> One a year. And lastly on Instagram, a new report finds Instagram engagement rates are in decline. <gasps> Maybe it's because we can't see the likes anymore. I was going to say that. All right. And HubSpot has a free email marketing tool now in their CRM. You can send up to 2,000 emails a month as HubSpot is trying to de-CRM themselves completely Mm -hmm. and turn into more marketing automation to help bring more folks into the HubSpot ecosystem, which is like the... to pop culture wise, it's like the upside down Ooh. of what Mailchimp did. Are you watching Stranger Things? No, I'm just oh. trying to be hip. Okay, well that worked. Okay. That that resonated with the kids. Great. Yeah. So kids, it's like what Mailchimp <laughs> did, where they were the email tool that turned into the CRM. So, right? Upside down, different. I mean, they're you're right that they're opposites. That's not what the upside down is. But we could we could talk about okay, that. Okay, Mailchimp's a monster. Yeah, Mailchimp is a monster. <laughs> All right. And lastly, here, thank goodness. This is the last article that Postmates is introducing emoji search. So if you are looking for a quick taco, you no longer have to type out T-A-C-O. You can find the taco emoji and search via emojis on Postmates. It's so much harder to find the taco emoji than to type four letters. You're so old, man. Maybe. I don't even know you anymore. I mean, give me back like my T9 like, texting at this it's, point. It's like I'm looking at the upside down version of myself. The monster. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that brings us to our real life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for working hard. Or hardly working. Where we talk about what is going on in our IRL work. Good. Bad. Or otherwise this week. Jess, what's been happening with your accounts this week? This week I I just have a gripe with Microsoft Ads. The platform formerly known as Bing Ads? (laughs) Formerly known as Bing, yes. And Bing did the same thing back in the day. So this isn't new with the name change, but folks are familiar with automated rules, right? That you can set these up to make changes to your account based on certain criteria. That's great. I have no gripe with that. The problem that I have is you can set it to alert you to send you an email when a change has been made and it'll do that, but it doesn't tell you what the change was and it doesn't tell you what the account was either. They just give you the account number. Hmm. So you have to cross-reference that, but it'd be really nice in these email notifications because I set up a lot of rules across a lot of accounts if they would tell me what the account was that was impacted and what the name of the rule was. So, That'd be helpful. Right? That would be really helpful because... That'd if, be working hard. That would be working hard, but instead it's hardly working because I got an email this week that said that the rule ran and no changes were made. So the fact that no changes were made means that I couldn't see what it was. If a change is made, it'll tell you like X campaign was paused or something, and then you can kind of, you know, Sherlock Holmes your way into knowing what the account was. But... If there's no change, what if there should have been a change? I can't diagnose this now because I have no idea what this was. And I just, that's not a helpful email. Give me something. Link to the account. Give me some more information. Just put the name of the rule in there. I don't care. Do something. Not a helpful email, Microsoft. That's my problem. I have no fix for it either. I got nothing. I'm just, I'm just here to gripe. Okay. <laughs> what about you? All right. And so in my accounts this week, yeah, I had all- a nightmare experience with Google ads. <gasps> Surprise. I wasn't going to say anything, Jess. You said that for me. And basically, we had an account that belonged to somebody else for a company, and we couldn't get it started back up. We had to recreate an entire new account. It was super frustrating, but things had to get done. And what I tried was not an import-export of the old ads account into a new ads account. I copy-pasted campaigns over. I wanted to see what would happen. And typically, when you're doing something that involves some sort of smart bidding, like mm-hmm. let's say maximize conversions, t- say target CPA, we're supposed to have 15 conversions in 30 days in the past 30 days. I copied these pre-existing campaigns that had maximized conversions. This is probably one of these things you shouldn't tell people, but I'm making it public. Tell now. us because this is intriguing me. So you can, so I took these maximized conversion campaigns, put it into a new account with no conversions 
instantly started working and driving conversions. It was for really specific stuff. Let me just be really clear. It was for sure. things I knew really worked. It was for very, very, very specific terms. I would never in a million years do it for broad stuff out there and just like Google go at it. Right. But for very, very specific things I knew worked, copied it from one account to a different account. And somehow I bypassed that, you know, that threshold that you're supposed to have. That's crazy. And just to reiterate to our listeners, this one account to the other account was for the same client. It same was client. the exact same business, everything. So it's not like you're yes. cheating or, or doing anything weird. Just the fact that it worked, though, was and mind-blowing. And it was for a money campaign. This client's really yeah. seasonal, but it was for a campaign we knew worked, copied yeah. it, maximized conversions, going same day. Wild. As the account opened. Were you an ads editor to copy paste? Yes, Is that where you did editor. this? That's wild. So, yeah. I had wow. a good one this week. That's, yeah. Good All right. trick. Well, now it's time for this week's WTH. And this week's WTH comes from Forbes. Oh. As a viral app, FaceApp now owns access to more than 150 million people's faces and names. Names? Names. And so FaceApp is an app you may have seen with folks aging themselves Mm -hmm. and they've been giving the people the power to change their expressions their looks and age but it's taken off if you log on you probably (laughs) see a lot of old folks synthetically old (laughs) folks let's say (laughs) but when you use face app you grant face app a perpetual irrevocable non-exclusive royalty free worldwide fully paid transferable sub-licensable license to use reproduce modify adapt publish translate create derivative works from distribute Publicly perform and display your user content in any name, username, or likeliness provided in connection with your user content in all media formats and channels now known or later developed without compensation to you. Wow. I want to applaud you for getting through that, first Thanks. of all. But the irrevocable, non-exclusive, <laughs> royalty-free, worldwide, fully paid, transferable, sub-licensable fee, I mean, what? that's some weird stuff. And this is also a Russian company, which has some people up at arms. Yeah, well, because Stranger Things, which you know nothing about. I mean, that's no. like a whole plot line this season, so it's very topical. It's the upside down of the United States. <laughs> and the one thing that was a good follow-up article was from the Washington Post, and they dove in a little bit more, and there was a few really good questions that were answered where they said, how long do they hold on to my data? Mm. And again, this is a perpetual license for your photos. So, so your photos, they perpetually have licensed if you've uploaded there and can be used, again, with all that verbiage I talked about before. I'm not saying it again. (laughs) Additionally, the Washington Post had asked if government authorities in Russia have access to the photos, and they said no. Hmm. FaceApp engineers are based in Russia, but the data is is not transferred there. However, if you're using it in Russia, your data is in Russia. Of course. Um, And he also said they don't sell or share any user data without third parties. However, there were ad trackers from Face, Facebook and AdMob that are in there. So they don't sell or share user data with third parties, except a few. I, what I want to know, they're clearly like, yo, I'm going to use your face, right? That's, yeah. that's what the, what are they going to do with all these pictures of fake old people? What are they going to do with that? That's what everybody's doing. There's so many other things this app can do. And the only thing right now is to age yourself. That's all people are doing. New conspiracy alert. Yeah. This is all run by Yatpo. (laughs) And we're going to be getting a lot of unsolicited, untrue, old person (laughs) reviews for product. You got me counting portholes. That's like a really good theory. Thanks. I like this conspiracy. That's good. Yatpo sounds Russian, right? There it is. Wow. Okay. Greg. All right. But here's, here's... Honestly, my bigger WTH, Yeah. how is FaceApp or whatever, the p- people that figured out old stuff is going to stick? <laughs> We've got Snapchat, we got Instagram, we got Facebook, everybody's competing for this. Yeah. It was, what, two months ago where the baby memes were the big thing? I don't you couldn't that. think? Yeah. yeah, you baby yourself. Oh, yeah, weird. Right? Yeah. yeah. But how do you not think, okay, baby yourself worked? How wasn't there a rush to old yourself? I don't, you know like, what? What was everybody doing over there? Nobody's <laughs> olding themselves? It's it's just face app. Like, oh, look, the babies worked. Let's old themselves. This is crazy. I think that they just finally caught up with the fact that people were doing the granny hair a couple years ago and like dyeing their hair silver. And they're like, oh, people should do that with their face. But the only way to do it is digitally. And then they made an app and now they've just caught up, I think. Okay. Well, WTH. And I've got an honorable mention this week. And it's from the New York Times and it's called Have We Hit Peak Podcast, an article that came out yesterday. And it is the one of the best opening. <laughs> opening a few paragraphs I've ever read in my life. You think? And I'm just going to read it to you. Okay. 
In 2016, Morgan Mandroida and Lester Lee, two freelance writers looking to grow their personal brands, <laughs> decided to start a podcast. <laughs> they called it The Advice Podcast, and they put about as much energy into the show's production as they did the name. <laughs> After all, no one is paying, for, paying them for this yet. Each week, the friends, neither of whom had professional experience dispensing advice, met in a free room at the local library and recorded themselves chatting with an iPhone 5. Uh-huh. We assumed we'd be huge, have affiliate marketing deals and advertisements, Miss Mandroida said. But six episodes in, when neither Casper Mattress nor Meundies had come knocking, <laughs> the friends quit. That's some good writing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's well, also a crazy story. We're like a hundred episodes in yeah. and nobody's come knocking. You know, and we're in a room as hot in this degrees r- as episodes we have, and we are putting blood, sweat, and tears into this. This room just <laughs> melted in the microphone stand. Completely molten molten lead here. Molten metal. And we pay for this room. We're not even at the library. It's, yes, it's it's paid for. <sighs> Oh, man. You know what? They said in here, everybody has a podcast. We have a podcast. And we're trying really hard. (laughs) (laughs) I just want people to know that. (laughs) Trying hard or hardly trying? Trying hard. Okay. And one actual (laughs) thing that I thought was was factual and and interesting about the article was that they said, if she's she's starting a new podcast, surprise, surprise. She is? What is it called? The second try? Sex and relationships. It's going to be great, Dr. Ruth already did that. Move over and find a new niche. Okay. Well, they haven't done it like this. These are the best six episodes you've ever seen. But anyway, she said, if she's the, uh, the New York Times said, if she succeeds, she'll be in the minority. Between March and May of this year, only 19.3% of existing podcasts introduce a new episode, according to Blueberry. What is, what, what is Blueberry? It sounded good until I said Blueberry. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like Bloomberg or no, something we've no, all not heard Bloomberg, of. Blueberry. Oh my goodness. And it's not even spelled the right way. It's B-L-U-B-E-R-R-Y because you can't put an E in Barry. I guess not. It's actually a legit podcast. I'm sure it is. But like this is why we need Nielsen data, right? Because who's going to advertise on that? You know who's not? <laughs> Casper and <laughs> Meundies, all right? <laughs> okay, what's next, Jess? <laughs> that brings us to this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment's not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. This week only, we're doing a one-week change. <laughs> it's a hot tool this week. <laughs> it is a blazing hot tool. Hot tool, hot sweaty everybody. tool. So what do we have this week, Jess? <laughs> All right, this week's hot tool is new from Buffer, and it's called Analyze. It's basically a Facebook and Instagram analytics dashboard that helps you analyze, hence the name. A lot of aptly named tools and things that we're discussing this week. It's a good theme. Uh, So it helps you analyze what works well for you on each of those platforms. And we're talking things like when the best time to post is, who is engaging with your content, and the frequency that drives the most engagement as well. And a million other things. Helps you dive in. They've also got a report builder so you could share these findings with teams, clients, anyone you need buy-in to, you know, keep your strategy going. So there is a monthly fee with this one, but they do offer a free trial. So you can test it out, see if it's right for you. It's hot in here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, Nellie. And it brings us to this week's must-read marketing article of the week, an article so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it on today's show. And this week's article comes from Nick Kalenda of the aptly named NickKalenda.com, and he has an article about copywriting. Nick wrote the article, Copywriting Psychology. Want to improve your writing? This guide offers 31 clever tricks based on research in psychology. And he breaks it down into two different buckets: how to get, pe- how to convey your message, or how to motivate your readers. Hmm. Each one of these 31, 31 tips is very detailed, and I'm going to read just one of them from you that I thought was a good takeaway. And each one of these is like this. So go read this episode. Go read this article. In tactic 18, emphasize their disdain for the problem. Opposing attitudes can be stronger than supporting attitudes. For example, we show stronger support for political candidates when our attitude is framed as opposing the other candidate rather than supporting the original candidate. Let me link to a source. Instead of convincing readers about benefits of your solution, emphasize the disdain for the underlying problem. There's a whole bunch more things, but he shows an example here. So instead of saying something like, being productive is important, 
he tries to grab onto that disdain by saying, being unproductive is stressful. I like that. I know. That's really good. I, I don't want to say spin because it makes it sound like it's invalid, but that's great. We talked about that all, about, again, evoking the negative emotions, not mm. trying to convince people, getting them riled up, and then agreeing with them and going on your way from a psychology standpoint. It's a great article. Check it, it out. Don't miss it. I love it. All right. Thank you, Nick. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. Please be sure to subscribe while you're there so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. And just this week, we're going to play everybody's favorite game. Is Jess smarter than a coin flip? Oh. The baby edition. Whoa. Okay. Okay. I might actually win this. Last week you were out. Let's see how much you learned mm. in that making baby class. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask... I'm going to make statements. You tell me if they are true or false. Okay. That's Five the coin more. flip part, right? Yeah, six or more. <laughs> Smarter than a coin flip. <laughs> Five, it's a draw, and I got a, a, a tiebreaker. Ooh, okay. Four, and you're under. First up, fresh basil makes the majority of babies cry. False. Correct. It does induce labor, though, I've heard. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, th okay. I thought that was going to be the question. I was ready to one for one. win that. Number two. Like dogs, babies see in black and white. That's got to be false. That is true and correct. Really? How do they know that? All this information does come from a site called scoopwhoop.com. <laughs> so that's what I'm basing facts on today. Okay. okay? All right. Just as a disclaimer to okay. everybody out there. All you doctors and scientists <laughs> listening to the show. Scoop whoop. Three, babies cannot feel temperature. Cannot feel temperature. Cannot, cannot feel temperature. Like they, they can't feel hot. They can't feel Correct. cold. False. False. I was just thinking that would be nice right now <laughs> in the a baby studio. In this room. I just made that up on the fly, but yeah, that's right. So you two did. for three. Yes. <laughs> Another one. Next. Babies have no kneecaps. No. That False. is actually true. Babies have what? no kneecaps. They don't have cartilage that's working on becoming a kneecap? Bro, take it up with scoop. <laughs> Next yeah. up, a baby has 10 times as many taste buds as adults. Ooh. And this is a little biased because you're a bud, so you probably have some insight. In, insight. Hey. Yeah, we have one extra. This is in our name. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, 10 times as many, you say? Yes. As adults? I'm going to go true on that one. False. What? Three times as many taste buds. Oh, they do have more, though, right? My logic was correct. correct like they die you're over also time. Incorrect. You're right. two out of five. Oh, man. This is bad. Question. <laughs> it's not even a question. It's so hot, my brain doesn't work. <laughs> Statement. <laughs> Statement. Newborns have less bones than adults. True. True. Yes. Newborns have 270, adults have 206. Next Wait. up. <laughs> Wait, you just, <laughs> you just said that it was... True that babies oh, have less on, bones, and then you gave a number that was oh, higher. It's false. I changed that around. So I'm. Can you just give me the point anyway? Because you screwed up. I'll give you up. the point because okay. I don't have the my, my body is in survival mode in the Sahara temperature. You are fired here. from Scoop Whoop. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next up, babies are commonly born with what can technically be considered two butt cheeks. <laughs> One that disappears before the age of three months. That <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I mean, what are you talking about? People have two butt cheeks and already. False. There's no way. <laughs> false. I don't know. I wrote that. I think I might crack. I think I might crack. I don't know how to read this. I don't even know if you're right or wrong. I'm giving you a point. You are four out of seven. Doing good here. <laughs> This is why it's everybody's favorite game. <laughs> this is a All great right. game. <laughs> a baby's eyes are 75% of adult size when born. False. And that is true. <laughs> that is true according to what? Scoop Woof. <laughs> I thought 
their eyes were always, or is it their ears? Something. They grow into something. It doesn't matter. We just got to get this over with. All right. You're four out of eight. It's a dead heat year. Yes, it is. In the actual literal heat. Okay. Another question. A bait or another statement. A baby cannot hear the sound of a tea kettle until they hit the age two. Like, because it's high-pitched or what? I'm just reading the statements. I don't make these things up. That, you know what? I'm going to go true. Their ears need to develop a little bit. I actually did make that up. That's false. Oh, crap. What are you talking about then? You can't give me more context (laughs) and you wrote that? Yeah. Okay, so you're four out of nine. This is a big one right here. A baby cannot taste salt until it is four years old. False. That is true. You lose. What? Back to the baby making class, Miss Bud. Fine. I'm going next week. All right. We (laughs) will see you next week.